The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. My name is Joni Siegel, and I'm the host for the podcast. Today's episode is episode number 313. And just a reminder to please subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a five-star rating so that when people look for podcasts about addiction, they can find us. Please also subscribe to our YouTube channel by the same name. Give us a thumbs up on our videos and ring the bell so that you get notified when we put up a new video. Today's episode, as I said, is number 313, and today we have an interview with a lady named Sonia Callan. Sonia founded a company called Everbloom, E-V-E-R-B-L-U-M-E, after five years of sobriety. Everbloom provides online small group recovery meetings with supportive peers and a recovery coach facilitator. Each group is uniquely tailored based on the characteristics of its members. The goal is to provide a safe space for conversation and connection. Sounds like a great idea. Sounds like something that maybe you know someone who can take advantage of. So let's talk to Sonia Callan and learn more. Okay, Sonia Callan, thank you so much for being willing to be on our podcast today and tell your story and also what you're doing to help others. I think it's kind of exciting. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So tell us um, about your background, um, where you grew up and, you know, what your childhood was like. I know you, you dealt with an alcohol addiction for a while. So lead us up to that and take it away. Yeah, I'm, uh, I was born in Canada and I lived there till I was about 20. And then I moved to the States uh, for school and stayed. And my parents are Indian immigrants and I grew up around a lot of drinking, um, a lot of Crown Royal, Johnny Walker, like a lot of dark alcohol, um, but women didn't drink. So in my culture, women didn't typically drink. So it was just the men and they they binge drank like every weekend and they had pretty dramatic consequences. They were getting in fights, they were incarcerated, they had DUIs, they were getting divorced. And so that when I started drinking, the only goal was like, don't end up like them. And so I think that's when the idea of being a high functioning alcoholic was sort of born in my head that if things look good, I'm getting good grades. I look okay from the outside. I can wake up in time for class, not getting arrested. That seemed like it was a great idea. And so, uh, yeah, not surprisingly, my brother ended up uh, being just like the drunk uncles. And um, But when how I was old around, were you when you started? I was about 15 when I started. I'd been smoking cigarettes um, by then for a couple of years. And I started drinking probably around 15 um just and it was amazing it was like all that like discomfort and just like these confusing emotions just like evaporated it was incredible and i just wanted to feel like that as often as i could understood now you didn't progress to any other drugs it was just alcohol correct yeah i mean i tried a lot of different drugs um but alcohol was just like reliable and legal. And so it, it was probably the easiest choice for me. Okay. And how, so how long would you say you had a problem with alcohol? 
I mean, I think in college, like the binge drinking was definitely, I don't think it was that normal in the sense that I had my stomach pumped a couple of times for um, alcohol poisoning. But when I started working full time, so I no longer had to study in the evenings, um, that's when it really started. So Mm -hmm. I started a business and I was working like crazy and I would just come home and drink until I passed out. And that went on probably over a decade. Yeah. And I didn't go a single day without drinking. It didn't matter if I had the flu, if I had a medical procedure, (laughs) I was drinking. You know, it's interesting that you say that because I, I mean, that part of your story, I think is interesting because I'm sure that there are people listening who live a similar lifestyle, work super duper hard during the day, come home. What do you do? You drink until you can fall asleep and then get up the next morning and start all over again. I don't, and I don't, I'm going to bet that a lot of people don't necessarily think that that's a problem. No, it's like a, I mean, we kind of like idealize this, like work hard, play hard. And so I was working hard. The business was exploding and then I deserved it, right? Like I deserved to have a drink at the end of the night. I was working at like firing on all cylinders all day. So why not have a few hours where I can just like quiet my mind? Yep. I get it. Okay. So what, so you're, you're obviously successful. You got a successful business, but you're drinking every day. Yeah. At what point did you go, maybe this is not the best lifestyle. Maybe I need to make a change. Yeah. So I, um, you know, I'd had some like minor, like no major consequences to my drinking. And then out of nowhere, I get this offer to sell the business uh, to a private equity company. And I just like, there was no way I was going to turn it down. It was just amazing. And so I knew then um, that if I had more free time, I would fill it with drinking. Mm. And so I could feel it. The sale took like eight or nine months. And during that time, I could feel like, what am I, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What's the plan? Like, I don't have any hobbies. I don't, have anything to like keep me healthy. And so I started kind of putting the plan to quit into like high gear. And so I did. And so I sold the business and then probably within a year, um, I had tried cutting back for a bit um, right after and it didn't work. And then within a year, I just like one day woke up with like the worst hangover ever. And I just, just never drank again. It was like a white knuckle situation. Yeah. You know, you're you're lucky that you could pull out of that because one of the things we found um, after having talked to rehabs and been doing this podcast is that sometimes, depending on how severe the addiction to alcohol is, the alcoholism is, you can have pretty dire health consequences from stopping, like, you know, seizures and like yeah. nasty things. So did you have any of that? Did you experience anything like that or? No, I mean, I was so lucky that there were no real major, no, not a lot of major physical damage done, but I mean, it was miserable for yeah. sure for, yeah. you know, 60, 90, 120 days. Um, it was hard to sleep. It was, I mean, every time like six o'clock would roll around, I would just be freaking out, like just 
crawling in my own skin. So it was just, yeah, I just wanted to rip my skin off. <laughs> like I just, yeah. So yeah. I mean that, that I think was bad enough, but I know people have it a lot worse and they have to detox and yeah, I was really lucky. Yes. It sounds like it. Okay. So what year was this that you sold your business and then ended up getting sober? So 2016 into 17. Okay. Fair enough. And were you married at the time? I was. Um, yeah, I was married. My husband and I had a business, had the business together. Oh, okay. So, so that was your business. Okay. I got it. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No. Yeah. So that, that, yeah, I was definitely, I was married. We'd been together since we were 25 and yeah, things were going great. So I was sober for, you know, a good five years and yeah, things were going pretty well. It sold the business, like was working on hobbies, just anything I'd wanted to do in the last, you know, however many years I did travel, saw my family. Yeah. Okay. And did you have kids? No, okay. I think the time to have kids was when we were building that business. And so uh -huh. the time passed. I got it. I got it. Okay. And so then bring us forward from there. So what happened then? Yeah. So last year, um, my husband and I have been together 18 years and he literally woke up one day and left. He wow. just, no real, you know, explanation, very vague. Um, I knew he'd been going through something where he was looking to find um, his passion. Like he, you know, we'd sold the business and he was kind of felt lost. And I knew that, but I had no idea it had anything to do with the relationship. And so on this final day, he says, you know, I, I don't think, I don't think I'm going to be happy with you. I think you are too introverted. I think, you know, you're too close to your family. I think you are too happy with you're too, too little. You're too happy? Oh my goodness. Okay. He said, he said, in a sense, he said, I'm jealous that you are happy with so little where I was kind of, I, the pressure to succeed was gone after we sold the business for me. And so right. I was really happy with what I had. I, I felt like I'd proven myself. I felt like I can just focus on things that speak to me. I want to be of service. I started volunteering and I just wanted to give back. And I didn't have that push to like succeed more financially. And so I think that we started to diverge. And I think yeah. a lot of it was because of my sobriety that, and I didn't, I didn't see it happening. You are listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information on the podcast or to reach out if you have a story you would like to share with us, go to our Facebook page by the same name, or you can email us at theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com, or go to our website, theaddictionpodcast.com, or call us at 727 314 7080. And please remember to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a five-star review. Sometimes the hardest thing about getting someone into recovery is getting them to agree to treatment. Bobby Newman, a certified drug counselor with 30 years experience and an over 85% success rate as an interventionist, has created a series of 12 videos that you can use right now to learn every step to get your loved one to agree to treatment, call 866-989-4499 today and say the word podcast to get a 10% discount or go to newmaninterventions.com and type in the word podcast for a 10% discount. 
This service comes with a free one-hour consultation with Bobby. Was he was he sober or did he have was he drinking? So he stopped doing anything like when uh, within a couple of months of me getting sober, and so okay. that was great. I thought that was like really great, really nice thing to do. I didn't ask him to do it, um, but. I, you know, in retrospect, like one of the other things he said, he said he resented my sobriety and that he couldn't socialize, I think, the way that he wanted to. And honestly, like, I w- I'm not the same person, right? Like, I think I'm actually much more introverted and I was using the alcohol to be really as a fun party girl. And that was the person he met. And that's not who I am 18 years later. And so I can give him that. <laughs> Well, I, I I don't know him. It doesn't matter. But <laughs> but to to not you know to use your sobriety as a reason to make it okay to leave, or to use the fact you're close to your family to make it okay to leave, or the fact that you are happy not being not going fifty million miles a minute all the time. I'm going to make a judgment call. I think that's just wrong, Sonia. I just think it's wrong. It was. Yeah, it was rough. The thing about my family is interesting. Um, my brother's an alcoholic. And so oh. my nieces never had a dad. And so okay. I didn't want to get into their lives when I was still drinking. So right. when I stopped drinking, we got super close. And so we were like like a little girl gang. And so it's like- And I this is wrong to- because- yeah, I, they treated him like a brother. And so it was, I think that, I think that what he thought is it prevented me from wanting to for, form maybe like deeper emotional relationships because I was sort of satisfied with this little family ecosystem. And so, you know, that's one way to okay. look at it. <laughs> okay. Yep. Um, you are, you are quite generous in your viewpoint at this, it sounds like. Good on you. I'm not, I don't know him, but I'm not so generous. Okay. So this happened, what did you say, about 18 months ago? This happened about, um, no, this happened about like a year ago. A year ago. Okay. And yep. so what did you do after that? What uh... I went into a deep hole. And so that night, I think I was hyperventilating. I burst a blood vessel in my eye. Um, I fell asleep and I, I woke up and I had that feeling like this feeling of like misery and anxiety that I had only known to get rid of with drugs and alcohol. So since I had gotten sober, nothing this traumatic had happened. And so I just remember, like, I think I even said it out loud, like, there's no way I'm not going to drink. There's just no way I don't, I don't have the tools for this. Like I, I was building like a cute little sobriety toolkit, (laughs) like candles and meditate and journal. And there was no way I was going to journal my way out of this. And so I had to figure out quickly if I was going to let myself kind of go back into that hole or if I was just going to keep going. And so I did, I started going to um, online recovery meetings. So not 12 step, but just community meetings. Yep. And um, it was nice. It was comforting. Um, I loved listening to people's stories. And the problem for me was that there were 50 to 200 people on these meetings and maybe 5% of the people would get a chance to share. And then it was the same 5% of people every time. Like I would go to a, a AM meeting, like 8am on the weekdays, the same people sharing. And I thought, I, I don't want to share. And, and I don't, my point was, I didn't need to just like unload 
like this story of what had happened. Like I needed someone to tell me I was going to be okay. Right. And that they had gone through something really traumatic. They didn't drink. Um, This is how you can do it. It's going to be really hard. And so there was just the lack of like feedback. And so I just, it felt like almost like listening to a podcast. And so I started looking and it's like, is there a smaller group that I can get into where I could actually talk to people? And I couldn't find it. And Mm. even if by fluke, I let's say only five people came to a meeting, they weren't going to be the same five people every week. So I also didn't want to have to tell the story over and over. Like I, yeah, yeah, I I wanted to be consistent. Like I didn't want to start from the beginning every time and like, you know, let's pick up with like, I showered four times this week and people are like, yay. (laughs) Well, and I would like to just say very well done on not going back to alcohol because I can see how easy that road would have been, you know, and, and living alone for the first time in 18 years and no one would know if I had a drink. Yeah. I think that's amazing that you, pulled that off and stayed sober. So what did you do then when you couldn't find what you needed online? I mean, I'm particularly lucky because I do have my two sister-in-laws there in Canada, but you know, they know what it's like to live with an alcoholic. They know what it's like to have a relapsing alcoholic. And so I was really lucky. I also live in a community where I have a lot of people who want to go for a walk and hang out with me, but there was no one sober to hang out with. So Mm. I thought there must, there's a void here somewhere. And I can't be the only person that's like a little bit introverted, going through something really traumatic. And even if you're not going through something really traumatic. And so I went on a trip to Costa Rica by myself and I was crying most of the time because I was on vacation (laughs) by myself for the first time. And I would go back to my room after dinner by myself. And I started sketching out this idea, like mapping out an idea that turned into Everbloom. And so I just wanted to create small online meetings where people were matched on complementary or compatible characteristics or needs. So like I'm going through a life transition. So we'll have a group of maybe eight to 10 people that are have either been through a life transition or going through one. And the point is to connect and talk. And there's a recovery coach facilitator, but the point is for to get feedback from your peers, like really leverage the wisdom of your peers. That's fascinating. And Everbloom, how did that name come about? What is What is the significance of the name? Oh, just like writing down names in columns and then putting them together and okay. asking my sister-in-laws what they thought. And they were like, okay. Everbloom, it's Everbloom. <laughs> okay, cool. And then, and so what, how, first of all, how many people are you able to service on Everbloom right now? So this is a scalable concept. So we okay. can, it's as many people as want. And the, and the thing is, the more people, the better, because then the more we can go into like the nuances a little bit and match people even more specifically. So the more people we have, like, I mean, what's interesting is I, I met like seven witches. We could have a witches group if we had enough witches or okay. we could have, you know, so the more people we have, the, the more niche the group can be. Okay. And do you, ha- and do you have people in recovery? Do you have people in recovery reaching out to be part of this? Yeah, I mean, I think there are, um, and so I did a series of interviews um, before I launched, and just to see what are people looking for, and 
was interesting is that a lot of women and people of color like me didn't feel comfortable in certain AA meetings, let's say in their area, right? Yep. So they just said they this isn't they I'm not getting reflect a reflection back of myself in these people. And their story doesn't resonate with me. And I do want to share. And also they felt like like don't bring your outside life inside the room. And they said like I am my outside life. Like this is this is my identity. It informs like all these things, even about my sobriety. And so, yeah, we're getting all kinds of people a lot. I mean, I will say a lot of people that are trying to get sober in their first 90 days or so. Okay. Because the reason why I asked that is because one of the things that we have observed, you know, we're, we're, we've been doing this for six years, like every week and the need for, for services and support in recovery is huge. And as you say, 12-step meetings are not for everyone. It is a Christian faith-based program. And for I had a young man that I talked to and he's he's not Christian, okay? Yeah. So so that in itself was a bit of a you know, a problem from the get-go. And so, but there needs to be, we can't have enough support for people in recovery, I don't think. And, and you have a very innovative approach to it. And we probably need, you know, a million more like what you're doing, because, you know, if I'm in recovery, I don't necessarily want to talk to a bunch of 20-something African-American or even Indian gentlemen who are in the same thing. It's a bit, it's a different, it's a different thing. You know, I'm in my seventies and I'm a white woman, you know? So I think that's fascinating. So when people come to your, um, your website, do they like fill out a profile and then. Yeah. They and do. Then, and so. Go ahead. And they yeah. pay you, right? <laughs> Yes. And so that's the difference with AA, right? And so AA provides what it can, but it's free and it's accessible. And so once you start charging, you move into a different, it's a business. And so you move into a different sort of concept. And so we can offer more because we have the resources. But to the offer other thing is, things. sorry to cut you off, when someone pays for something, they're going to use it. Okay. So much more likely to show up. They're so much more likely to stay committed. Yeah. Exactly. I do jazzercise. I have to pay every month. So I'm going to go every single week, yes. three, four, five times because it's costing me. Do you know? And I think that while, yeah. okay, free is good for people who need it. I think that it's just a different, it's a different thing when they have to pay you for this service, because then they're going to take advantage of it, which is the whole point. If you, if you yeah. don't go, if you don't utilize it, then what's the point? And these are not, and so the difference between these are, they're not drop-in meetings. You're not like looking at a calendar and saying, oh, I'm going to go to these ones. It's like, you're part of the group. You are integral to the success of this group. And so there is a little more accountability and a little more encouragement to, you have to, you got to show up. Like, yeah, you can miss here and there, but it's like, this is your group. They yeah. are counting on you every week to show up, to support them. And so it, it's a different model that I, you know, I considered doing the drop-in, but that's when you end up with like anywhere from like five to 200 people. Exactly. And so, yeah. And I think and you need to be a little bit more structured in terms of scheduling and 
Well, I like what you're doing. I think it's, I think it's very, very valuable. Um, I think you might want to consider, maybe you already have maybe a way to not so much franchise it, but, you know, possibly get other people to do a similar thing. But um, I think it's, I think it's very, very valuable. I think, as I said before, you know, we know about sober houses and a lot of them get misused and it's like rotating doors and, you know, but this, this is something that I think would be very valuable for people in recovery and just recovery services is just needed. It's really neat. It is. And I think that there's a group of people too, like me, like people who either work from home or travel. And it's like, I can stay consistent at least with this. Like I can be visiting my family in Canada and I can still get on to my meeting and meet with my group. And I think that's important too, to be okay. able to keep that schedule. I think so too. So the website everbloom.com, yep. right? Join joineverbloom.com. That's right. And Join Everbloom. And it's E V E R B L U M E. Join Everbloom.com. Yeah. And when I put the video up, I always put a little graphic and I'll spell it so that people can find it. Yeah. Sonia, thanks for talking to us today. I think that what you're doing mm -hmm. is absolutely valuable. And I urge anyone who is in recovery or knows somebody in recovery that's struggling, you know, it's not easy when you still have the cravings. And so if you can get into some sort of a support activity, such as what Sonia and Everbloom offer, I think it's going to be valuable. Thank you so much for Thank sharing you with so us today. Thank you so much. Absolutely. I'm, I'm excited about what you're doing. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. I'm super excited about what Sonia and Everbloom is doing. I just feel like for those of you in recovery, we know it's not easy and we know that you need help and you need support. And if you have found it in a 12-step meeting, that's great. And if you have support within your family that um, gives you what you need, fabulous. But if you need to go a step further, check out Everbloom. That's E-V-E-R-B-L-U-M-E. Joineverbloom.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we will be back with another interview. You have been listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information, reach out to us on Facebook or go to www.theaddictionpodcast.com. Our email is theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com.